Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and joining me as always is my co-host, Ryan. Hello, Ryan. Hello. You sound so musical tonight. I don't know. Hello. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's, uh, what day is it? <laughs> it's a good day, so let's sing. <laughs> All right, I love it. Uh, so I guess let's, I have literally no segment from that because it's not like either of us played any kind of singing game. But although, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh? <laughs> I was like, uh, does Devolverland have something to do with singing? <laughs> um, not really. Uh, and you know what? Since you mentioned it, I'll I'll quickly talk about it because this thing is like. This is so I don't know if you noticed this, but we didn't have E3 this year and it's been a we little it's been a little alarming, let's say, for a lot of folks. And uh, Devolver Digital, the the publisher that usually does those like really weird videos. Mm-hmm. And I don't watch them because it's like this is too weird. I'm not into the the style of humor that is uh, it's like Tim and Eric. Is that the thing? It's like so weird. It's uncomfortable. You know what I'm talking about? I know the style you're talking about. Uh, okay. Yeah. Anyways, that's the style that they use, and I I don't I don't hold with it, bub. But um, they put out this weird video game as part of their uh, Devolver Direct, which was called uh, Devol Devolverland Expo, and it's essentially a they've they've made an E3 in a game that you traverse and you walk through and you explore it's an abandoned you know sh- uh, trade show and all the <laughs> yeah it's great and i i wasn't even going to look at it cuz like this is clearly a marketing tool like and of right, course it yeah. is but um which actually it's it's kind of a cool way to do a like an announcement like instead mm-hmm. of i mean we've seen all kinds of like people walking through the expo videos and stuff but for a game company to make a game to use as their expo is actually kind of brilliant from the marketing side of things you already know that the people that you're trying to show this stuff to are gamers and so to give them what they already enjoy doing which is navigating a virtual world like using that as your marketing tool, like this is really smart. Whoever thought about this, like they need a raise. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to, you, you kind of, you know, stole the words from me because honestly, sorry, <laughs> uh, no, it's fine. And it, it works really well because, um, this game, this game, quote unquote, I, like I just said, I don't watch the devolver stuff. I, it just doesn't connect with me, even though some of their games end up connecting, like, and I play them. But the way they present their stuff sometimes doesn't click with me. So with this Devolverland Expo and playing it, I was a little um, apprehensive about it. But uh, I think it was Will in, in Discord had said, no, 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 you got to check this out. It's actually really cool. So I played it and you're exploring it. And I found myself actually interested in, I watched all the trailers. So essentially every game they announced and previewed at their Devolver Direct had a moment in this in this uh in this marketing game um where there were booths like trade show booths designed for each of these shows in this virtual world and you remember when we obviously we've probably both been to different types of trade shows but the one specifically we both went to was that nintendo switch sort of Mm. preview event where they had all these like large nintendo things you could you could you know well basically look at and interact with so in this game they kind of create a huge 
multi-million dollar trade show booth for each of these games and the way you progress through the game is watching the trailers for each game and there are like other booths you know scattered in there's like an nvidia booth and some other stuff that only folks that would go to e3 would really understand and i was listening to a couple of video game podcasts and they were talking about this and saying like oh man i feel like we're the only people who get this joke it's like a really specific business booth that i guess always has one at at e3 and everyone laughed and hear me sitting at home it's like i don't get it i'm just gonna walk past this and yeah and, and go to this booth but um i watched all the trailers all the games look great and the way they present them in this in this sort of game is is really cool it's a quick play it's about i'd say it took me about a half hour to an hour to go through it and um one of their games that's actually coming out i'll i'll give it a shout out because it was really it looked really cool it's called carrion it's coming out on xbox one and uh pc and probably some other platforms but specifically xbox one and pc i think it's it's going to be on game pass and it comes out actually next week and it's a it's a game where you play as the monster and you're slowly making your way through this um, this science complex and you're eating people and you're absorbing them. And, and there's like stealth <laughs> mechanics, but also just like rarama monster mechanics. So <laughs> I love rarama monster mechanics. <laughs> I figured you would. So again, like it, it uh, that one is totally worth checking out. And, and this experience is a as a sort of like a a faux E3 if it was only made up of Devolver Digital games was it was honestly really cool. And they put they put um i would say a significant amount of work into this it it feels like this isn't something they just slap together like okay they walk through they click here the trailer plays like no they they designed very much a a, a navigable world it's a trade really show cool. experience they did although um you have a weapon in it and it's a it's a t-shirt gun i don't know if they'd <laughs> let you like walk around with the t-shirt gun and and shoot it at people at a real trade show but one can hope i suppose <laughs> that sounds really cool so where did you actually find that is that something you download like from their website or was it on steam like <laughs> it was on steam yeah so it's on steam it's free to play so and like i said it's uh can you yeah. imagine if they made you pay for a half hour marketing game <laughs> i feel like that would be yeah i don't know That'd i would be next level point. like yeah <laughs> i mean I, I don't know it, they put work into it i i honestly wouldn't i would not pay for it i don't think anyone should because really it is no a, it's a not a game tool. it's yeah <laughs> and uh but but i'll say this like i think because they did something so unique and they were on the front page of steam for i'd say the weekend at least after their presentation and maybe a little bit after that and even getting people to play this flashy free game to see all their trailers and it's a different experience. I I think it's uh it's it's really smart. Like you said, it's it's a great way for people who normally wouldn't have seen the Devolver digital thing. They actually get to see all these trailers and experience all these uh these cool games. So it's well, certainly mean, like, worth checking out. Outside of the of the really big ones, you know, the Playstations and the Xboxes, um, I haven't seen or heard much of anything of from like companies that would have been at E3. Like we're going to talk a little bit later about the Ubisoft event, but I don't know. It seems like a lot of stuff is really flying under the radar right now because we don't have that like touchstone of E3. So I think it's, it's great to see somebody like Devolver Digital, who is a little bit more outside the box anyways, um, really just, you know, put their stamp on it and say like, Hey, we're here, pay attention. Like, this is this is top of the show news for us, which is really cool for them. So, hmm. yeah, 
I think that's it. it again, whoever made it, you deserve a raise. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so what I play, I played more Civ Six this week. Uh, actually streamed some the other night and uh, had my first Civ Six multiplayer experience, which is super fun. But um, as as promised, I checked out Civ Six Red Death. Now we talked about this a little bit when I was talking about the the stuff that's coming in in these kind of monthly uh, DLC pa um, passes, or I guess. It's the monthly installments of the DLC pass. <laughs> we call them drops in the industry. Dro okay, yeah. there you go. Drops. Okay, drops. yeah. The content drops. Um, and so Civ 6 <laughs> put out the, we talked about it, the aliens and the zombies. And I was like, those are really weird factions for civilizations. What's going on? Well, it's for the Red Death, which is their battle royale mode. Now, I gave it a try and I've got to say it's um, not great. Oh. <laughs> it's i don't think there's a lot of people playing it so basically what happens is there's um six players worth of people that go into this battle royale there and then there's like a when you queue in i think there's about like a minute start timer and if your lobby doesn't fill then it like backfills with ai so that was fine. Um, I took like the full minute because I was like looking at all the different factions and stuff. And so I'm sitting there and I'm taking my minute and then I'm like, OK, six seconds left. I'll just go on random. Let's just see what happens. OK, I'm ready. Let's go. And then we loaded in and I got a message that was like, you're the only human player left. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> I guess I didn't ready up fast enough and the other people left. But Aww. there were only two of so like in total, there were like three human players and three AI players and the two other human players didn't make it into the actual game. So then it was just me playing Battle Royale against the AI. And it's like it was a little bit jarring. So basically the way that it works is that like any other Battle Royale, there is a like dead zone that slowly shrinks until it forces you into the middle of the map. And then there are no actual, like, you don't build any cities. You don't build any bases. You just kind of move your way through the safe zone, which gets smaller and smaller and smaller, uh, finding new resources, conquering different, um, like, enemies, and sometimes adding them into your group, sometimes destroying them, depending on what your specific, like, power is as, as your different faction. And then the... I thought you had to get to a specific location, but I guess it's when all other factions on the map are eliminated, then like a um, a, a spaceship basically comes and rescues you. Because that's the thing is like, basically the earth is ending. This like nuclear dead zone is slowly overtaking the entire planet. You're in like the eye of this storm. And then, you know, you're all fighting for the spot on the last ship off the planet, basically is the premise. So you have to eliminate all other factions and then you win. But my, I guess like, I don't know if when players leave the game, if their units don't move or what, but I think I eliminated two factions on my own and then like the the zone had only shrunk twice and yet I was still airlifted out and it was like you win and I was like that was jarring like I thought I had to get somewhere 
but uh, I guess it's just like when you're the last faction remaining, then you just win. So which is good from a time saving perspective. But this whole red death mode, I, I played it a few times and it was it was basically the same every time with like people dropping out. And like I never got like a full six man human lobby in the few times that I tried to play it. So, yeah, I it's it's an interesting thought, but it's definitely not like they just put out zombies and aliens. So you would think that if there was a lot of interest in this mode, that this would be the time people would be playing it. But yeah, it really, uh, it's, it's a nice addition, I guess, but it's not something that seems to be, you know, popular or fun. <laughs> really. I, I did not enjoy it versus like the rest of Civ that I'm having a great time in, but it could have done without a battle Royale mode. <laughs> What are you talking about? Everything needs a battle royale, mode. right? <laughs> uh, and a battle pass. And what else can we be upset about? Uh, I don't know. Loot boxes. I, yes. If, well, no. <laughs> loot boxes is. I think loot boxes is almost like that's. Uh, you know. So twenty eighteen. Yeah, I feel like. Uh, <laughs> I feel like if like Overwatch two launches with loot boxes and not a battle pass, I think they miss the. They miss the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, that 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 would that would be not great. But uh, yeah, battle pass. Well, I guess they do have a no. They don't have a battle pass for Civ. That's just a <laughs> DLC. Pass, yeah, it's DLC. Yeah, which is still fine. I'm fine with the DLC pass. That's that's all good for me. Uh, yeah, no, it sounds it sounds like your adventures in in Civ Six are still going well, and and I'm glad. Uh, that's my problem with DLC is I'll buy it thinking, ah, oh, this is going to be great, and then I'll not. I'll get in for the first pa pack and then I'll forget <laughs> about all the other stuff. So I'm glad you're keeping well, on yeah, top the of next, it. The next one, uh, I think, drops next week on the 23rd. And uh, it's a new, I think it's Ethiopia. It's a new, uh, it's a new civilization to play. So, oh, um, so you get to go I, back I've to heard. Sorry? No, I was just going to say, so you get to go back to single player where you're not worrying about queuing in. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm definitely, I, I have a few people now um, in the Warcraft radio community that also play Civ 6. So we've actually got like a little group of people that are looking to do multiplayer and stuff. So um, yeah, I've, I've, I think I found, I found a group. I found people. I might actually like venture out of my single player world. I, we did, uh, we did a multiplayer the other night and I won. You won. I won. Yes. How, how'd that, how did you succeed? Did you, you space race? You just take everybody out? What'd you do? <laughs> I, I just, uh, well, I guess you would call it a domination victory. And even then, like, um, I didn't, uh, we didn't play the game all the way out to the end. Basically, I just beat Athelus into submission. Um, here's a, he was going for a religious victory. And I was really not going for anything. I think I was kind of thinking that I would be like a late game kind of like culture tourism victory because that's just very much like Hearthstone, actually. The style of gameplay that I like is very much like end game, like go for like big, huge plays, like stuff like that. I don't necessarily like to just funnel everything into like early aggression um, so, I mean, I never even think of doing, I, I did my first domination victory just in single player against the AI last week as well. Um, just cause I'm kind of like working through it and like using the achievements to kind of guide my gameplay. Um, and so I hadn't gotten a domination victory yet. So I'm like, I'm just going to pick a super aggressive civilization and I'm going to play against the AI and get my domination achievement. And so 
it's just it's not the way that I tend to play. And so basically what happened in our game was we had um, me and Athelus and then two AI controlled civilizations and they both went for religion as well. And I like I said to him, like right off the start of the game, I'm like, I never do religion. I don't even really know how it works. Like you have to know exactly where your game plan is. It's not very flexible. It's a whole other like part of the game that I have to manage because you have to like build religious units and use them for their own type of combat that isn't necessarily like actual war. It's like religious war, which is a whole different thing. And I'm like, I just normally don't screw around with that part of the game. I usually just, you know, like to go for either science victories or cultural victories or or diplomatic victories. That's just how I like to play the game. So I was kind of going for more of a cultural thing. And then he um he ended up conquering a city state. And then I was like, hey, that's bad. And the whole world agreed with me. <laughs> you shamed him. Like, I did. I did. And I stole his friends because I sold them all of my diplomatic points. And I was just like, I don't care about the World Congress. Here, AI people, take my like clout in the world. The <laughs> I did. Oh my gosh. I didn't even mean to. I was just doing what Chad was telling me because I was like, oh man, I'm out of money. They're like, you can sell things to the AI. I'm like, cool. So I just started selling everything that I had, like my luxuries, my extra resources, my diplomatic power. I was like, here, just take it. Open borders? Sure. <laughs> just... And then they were like, we love this girl. <laughs> yeah, this is great. We should have yeah, taken out then... that other guy sooner. Yeah, so then I was the Americans and I had access to like about halfway through my tech tree, I got access to the Rough Riders, which are at the time of their like when you unlock them in your in your science tree, they're a very, very powerful unit. And Ath and I were still at war because of his claiming of the city state. And I had kind of, I was lucky because I was like there was a mountain range that was um like separating the two of us. So while he had a military advantage, I was able to kind of hold him off. And between him fighting me, a religious war against the AI, and then an actual war against the AI, <laughs> his resources were depleted enough for me to get to Rough Riders. And then I just made like six of them and, and went into his territory. And he's like, you have your Rough Riders? No. <laughs> and he's like, well, I can't win. <laughs> he's like, I can't win a religious war because all these reasons, because he's played so much more of the game than I have. He's like, here's all the reasons that I can't win through any path right now. And I was just like, okay, I just push buttons. And he's like, I hate you a little bit right now. <laughs> well, especially if he didn't want the game to go on all evening right like if it, it's, well, yeah, it's, it's like a chess when um, you, you give yeah up. so we we played um a tiny map which is for four civilizations uh on the the online game mode which is like even quicker than quick with a score victory disabled because we didn't want to like the we'd never uh, hit the turn limit and um yeah, and it was the it was the tiny map. Yeah, the four civilization map. So, and we played from we started at seven thirty and ended at twelve thirty. So it was like a five hour session. And from then we finished the game, but hmm. we finished by him giving up. Yeah. So it was and like a couple of hours earlier, I was like, 
man, I really don't think I can win. I'm so far behind everybody on everything. And then he took that city state and everything changed. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, it was really, really fun. And so if you guys are interested, you can go and watch that stream. Um, we actually both streamed. So you can find um, my view on twitch.tv slash Joss Plays. And you can find his view on twitch.tv slash Athlus, which is A-T-H-A-L-U-S. WCR for Warcraft Radio. That's his uh, Twitch channel. So you guys can go and watch that if you'd like some Civ content. Uh, it's over in my VODs. But yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And everyone's like, oh, look, Joss hustled that guy. I'm like, I didn't mean to. <laughs> I legit, because he was like teaching me stuff. I was like, oh, how do you know that? Like, where did you see that? And he's like, oh, you need to click here to see this thing. And then if you click on that, it'll tell you this information. And I was like, oh my God, he's even like teaching me the UI. <laughs> and then I beat him. And well, I felt a little bad, but I was like, no, literally, I don't know these things. Like, this isn't a hustle. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> no, it seems like more the path he took and what he did. Like, it's odd that yeah, he would it take was, a city state. He, it was very it much like his his game to lose as opposed to like me actually winning. It's like I didn't win. He just lost. <laughs> he, he chose to try to win through uh, religion, which is a, which is a tough win. I would yeah. imagine. And uh but yeah, taking a city state is against like it's against his religion or how did that cause issue? It's just he did something uh, that well, people don't like. Yeah, in general, um the AI and some civilizations really frown upon conquering city states. They see them as like independent entities and it's really interesting kind of like twist to the game that they added with the addition of city states because like you can get bonuses by being their like kind of like proxy government so like they will like pledge their loyalty to you if you send them enough envoys and stuff and then you get bonuses but you never actually like own them you don't control their military or anything else they are very much independent states and so the game in general kind of frowns upon taking those over so what happened was one city state was pledged to one of the civilizations that he actually went to war with so the city state will go to war with you and it was the closest city to him so he basically conquered it and took it over and then instead of destroying it he he like um incorporated it into his empire and the whole world was like no city states are supposed to be independent what are you doing this is a diplomatic emergency <laughs> i yeah. hope they yelled it like that yes they totally did with the waving arms and everything oh my yeah. god emergency <laughs> yeah that's oh. what happened so. hey you won you uh you came I did in win. With the i did win <laughs> rough riders was it yeah the rough riders yep um yeah so that's good no i mean it's one of those things where someone yeah like you said someone in discord was saying you uh you hustled him but it sounds like um it sounds like more you just sat back and waited for the ai <laughs> and let to... him destroy himself yeah i mean that's <laughs> very, that's very the thing much so. we've we've talked about this since the since the dawn of the show with civ all the way probably back to civ 4 with the fact that you were at the mercy of the ai and you just have to be careful about who you piss off right mm -hmm. because the ai is they it's like playing risk except like in risk when you play risk with people like people have alliances and you know for the most part they keep those alliances unless someone does something really shady but 
with an AI-driven game, sometimes those AIs just switch sides at a moment's notice. Yeah. And there's no rhyme or reason to these relationships they form. Like, they might be buddy-buddy with someone, but at the end of the day, like, they're trying to win. So they will happily switch sides. No problem. Yeah, they have no soul. No, exactly. <laughs> they We've, uh... All they want to do is win, so they have no problem, like, switching allegiances and stuff. So you just paid everybody off. like. So I just paid everybody off, yeah. Which is, uh, and you said you were playing as the Americans, right? I was the Americans. Okay. Yep. I mean, I'm just, I just wanted to confirm. I really, I really kind of got into it and like RP'd it a bit. There's some pretty funny oh, moments. Really? I need to go back and like clip them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Four score and seven like... years ago. <laughs> yeah, I because i mean not being brought up american there's a lot of stuff that like i just hear through like pop culture or whatever but apparently within like uh, before we were even at war (laughs) i just went into this whole spiel about how like i was gonna like protect my land and like it was my god-given right to like protect my mountains or i don't even know what it was that's why they carved those faces into them right <laughs> both chats went insane and they were like oh my god she went full manifest destiny i'm like i don't even know what that means is that a th- what is that is that like I an american know. thing <laughs> i think it's american thing yeah <laughs> manifesto destiny or something yeah that's yeah not it. but anyways, uh, yeah, it was that's uh great. yeah it was it was a lot of fun we had or a Canadian. lot of fun so yeah go check it out uh and finally what else did you play this week what else did i play well speaking of american uh i played desperados 3 which is a stealth tactics game set in the old west ah uh, yes the old the old west and this game is totally unlike i've any anything i've ever played before i did not play their previous game which was um shadow tactics it was more of a samurai game uh i think i own it but i just never got a chance to it sounds familiar it yeah it's one that i know um scott has really like scott johnson's really talked about and, and he was playing desperados 3 as well so i i played the demo for this and i and i it kind of clicked with me and, and i think the easiest way to describe it is um a fun version of those hero missions in starcraft where you have to use stealth but as I said, a fun version because some of those okay. StarCraft II missions where you have to use stealth are, are pretty bad. So the whole thing is designed around you um, progressing through a map with stealth and taking out enemies in, in calculated ways, using all the tools at your disposal to to really progress through the map without anyone catching you you know um mm-hmm. as soon as someone sees you or or um finds a body in an alarming way they will raise the alarm and and there will be a, a bunch of new guys to have to deal with usually when the alarm goes off that's your cue to basically uh mash the quick load button and get out of there and and that's where that's where this game really shines is that they they do for the first time they really in my experience they really tell you you have to quick save, you have to quick load, you have to do that a lot. That's part of the game. And I and I find that really refreshing because most games don't really want you to what is essentially, I think in other games, defined as like saves coming, I guess, where you're like constantly checkpointing and reloading if something doesn't go your way. This game highly suggests you do that. Um, because you you are encouraged to try many different ways to progress through through a map. And 
what starts off as you just playing as a um, John Cooper, which is this very much everyman character, um, very old West style, and and you you just control him, and you're kind of learning, you know, the ways of, you know, you got vision cones on all the enemies, and you can crouch to uh, to kind of avoid detection from far away. You can hide in bushes to avoid detection from close from when the enemy is closer to you. And the whole point is is to basically progress through the map, and you can do that in various ways. You can stealth away. You can take enemies out as you as you go. And, you know, you're very much encouraged to, like, hide the bodies and, and move them out of the way so other people won't see them. But <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a really fascinating experience because I've not played anything like it, and I'm actually really, in, really enjoying it. And it's just, it's one of those games that is not like anything else I've really played before, even though this is a this is the third in the series. This I is never a three, yeah. I never played the other two. Um, honestly, I'd never heard of Desperados before uh, this third one came out. Um, I don't, I don't remember, I don't remember hearing of the other two. But um, yeah, it's it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of fun, and and they do give you, like I said, they give you lots of tools to sort of use at your disposal. So the main guy they give you, he's got a knife. He can throw it from a distance. Um, he's got his uh, six shooters. Now, mind you, if you use your guns, that's going to make a lot of noise. So when you use your guns, you can fire both of them at the same time to take two enemies out at once. But you're going to see this like noise ring around you. So it's going to tell you exactly. like Everything's telegraphed. The enemy's vision cones are telegraphed. Uh, the sound that you're going to make is telegraphed. And you can see that on screen to know, like, okay, if I shoot these two guys... There's only two of them in the vicinity. No one else is going to hear that and come rushing over. However, you might see someone's vision cone does go over top of the body. So if the, if the enemy sees a dead body, they will raise the alarms. So you can kind of make your, your move. Like you can take the risky move, shoot them both, and try to move the bodies before the other guard comes back. Or you can maybe sneak around, take out that other guard, and then uh, work what your way back. What's up? I just go guns a-blazing. Uh-huh. shoot those two guards have the other guy come running at me and go oh boom you too and you as well boom 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 <laughs> you you have a <laughs> finite amount <laughs> you have a finite amount of of ammo right um so you could do that for portions of the mission although it's not it it becomes uh more cumbersome say, as you is go. there okay because i was gonna say is there a point in the mission where like you have as many bullets left as you have enemies. So you can just say, okay, for the last like six enemies, I'm just going to boom, boom, boom my way out of this level. (laughs) Well, I think you could. And that's the thing, like very much. So this game allows you to play it in any way you want. And that's where, you know, the quick saves come into play. Cause if you come to a point in the, in the mission where you're like, okay, I think I can solve this by just shooting a bunch of fools. You can quick save, try it out and then continue forward and say like, okay, I've got two guys coming to investigate. I've reloaded in time. Let's take them out as well and rinse, repeat. You can actually, you can do that, right? That's not a problem. The game isn't going to say you're doing it wrong. Um, it it will maybe remind you that you want to be quiet because it'll keep sending people at you. And, and I don't, I don't think there is a limit to the amount of bad guys they'll send at you. Like they'll just keep coming with the alarm. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, Early on, when you have that one character, the interactions are a little more spread out, a little more simpler as they're teaching you the mechanics. So yeah, you could go through at that moment, but as you get further in the game and they start introducing you to more complex areas and more um, more enemies. So for example, like 
you get a second character that you control very early on called Doc, and he has different mechanics, whereas Cooper, he can flip a coin and distract someone and turn them around, so, and then maybe you can sneak up behind them and get them before they see you. Um, Doc has this, uh, this medicine bag that he can throw out into the vision cone, and that will bring over somebody. It'll have them walk up to the bag and then try to open it, and then they'll, they'll get gassed for a little bit, and they'll be, become dizzy, and you can come up and take them out that way. So every character that you control in the game, uh, there are five, Every one of them has different abilities and they control very differently. So combining all of their moves as well allows you to flow through the map in very unique ways depending on how you want to tackle um, that specific encounter. Uh, and that becomes easier when you remain in stealth and, and people are running kinda, around trying to kill you. It kind of sounds like XCOM-y. Mm -hmm. A little bit. And there are, there are moments where... The, the flow of the game, and I did, uh, I, I streamed it on Twitch, and then I also streamed it on Discord to the patrons just to kind of test that out a little bit and hang out with some other folks who were playing it. Um, it. It very much is one of those games where you come up on an encounter like XCOM and say, okay, I need to make sure I could... I could use the bag, the you know, Doc's bag to bring someone over and then they get, you know, gassed and then I can have Cooper ready to, you know, stab them and pick them up and throw them in the bushes and that's all one move to remove one piece from the board and then that makes it easier to take the rest of the groups out. So I think like, yeah, it's very much like XCOM in that you're looking at the situation and then you're trying to piece together a solution Really, the smart way to do it is piece together a solution at the very beginning, whereas how I play it is I, <laughs> I will go move my move and kind of save it because I'm notoriously terrible at stealth games and, and can get really frustrated with stealth games. And that's where the, the quick save and the quick load is just so handy because I don't feel like I'm being punished for trying different ways to progress through the map. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, some of these maps are so complex and so different that when I was playing it, when I was streaming it through Discord, um, the other person, Will, who was playing it, we were playing this chapter together and he was saying, oh, I'm, I'm on this map as well. And you went south to get a mission objective, but he went north. So we experienced completely different parts of the map in terms of how we navigated the situation and, and, and got to our objective. I think in that instance, we were trying to get dynamite to blow up a bridge, and there was dynamite at the shooting range, and then there was dynamite at the quarry, and I went to the shooting range. So there's all these different different ways that you can uh, that you can take on a mission, let alone take on encounters, take on objectives, all that fun stuff. So it's very so replayable. Lots of choices. Yeah, lots of choices, lots of directions you can you can take in in terms of. Um, basically whatever you want to do you know uh there are other you know very early on chapter the first like sort of um chapter you're presented with uh the four the first four characters so you get uh cooper who's like the knife guy and then doc who is uh he's a bit of a he's got a like a silenced pistol you can take people out from from afar and uh you get there's a trapper that is really good oh man he's so fun 
you basically you have like a giant bear trap and it's so satisfying you can kind of set up the bear trap wait are we talking about dead by daylight now <laughs> i maybe and this is where i think like this is where i was a little disappointed there like the one of the missions we played where with the trapper he loses his uh his giant bear trap he calls he calls her bianca so he loses <laughs> bianca and then he like picks up a rake and it's like man that's not gonna fill that hole like you need to find bianca <laughs> So doing that whole mission wow. <laughs> with just uh, with just a rake uh, was was not as fun, but but he has he has Bianca. He sets Bianca down, and then he also has like a whistle move, so he can set the trap behind a ledge, whistle, bring a guard over, and then he just steps in the trap. And then I just I would rinse repeat that as much as possible. Just to, like, it was so satisfying, um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And he, so he, and every character has like a gun and they, and they're all different. So they all have these abilities and they all, but some of them are similar, but they all have different sort of like, for example, um, Hector, the guy with Bianca, he has a sawed off shotgun, so he can do a very loud weapon, but can take out multiple enemies, enemies in like a cone like fashion. And it's very, uh, very, very, it works very well. Um, and there's also uh, Kate who can disguise herself so she can dress up in disguises and move freely amongst the enemy and kind of she works well with crowd control. So if you come up to an encounter where, say, there are like two guys, you know, um, in what she can distract someone for an in, in, uh, uh, any period of time and kind of turn them away, like basically talk to them and they'll turn around from where they're facing. So that helps you. You can also uh, with her, you can guide people away from where they are so you can literally like start talking to them and and say hey come with me and then walk them into like a dark corner and (laughs) and and stab them uh again very effective uh and and then the final character that i just unlocked she's like this uh that well they they call like she's got different abilities where she can do um she can set up like linked attacks so she's got these like um i don't know how you would describe it but she i guess the closest thing is like sort of voodoo magic or whatever where she can she can like link two characters together and then kill one of them and then whatever you do to that character happens to the other enemy so it's very satisfying to watch her link these two characters and then um one time i like pushed a boulder on top of somebody and the boulder crushed that person then so it's got like wily coyote type things too (laughs) a little bit yeah it's wild. it's really wild like it kind of it kind of goes um kind of goes off once they introduce her because essentially they're introducing magic right like you can control people you you can basically uh shoot a dart at them and all of a sudden you're under their control and you can you can have them shoot another person so you're basically controlling them like like you've got this like voodoo doll or something and then the linked attacks works is very satisfying because again like you can link two characters and and that person can be kind of wa- walking around and then the other person I just like like I said I pushed a boulder on top of him so he dies he's being crushed by boulders and this other guy is just you know 10 feet away just suddenly collapses because I guess he feels like he's been crushed by boulders and anyways he goes he goes down um <laughs> but uh yeah and again it's just uh it's super satisfying when you finish a mission they are very long missions um I think later on it's it takes me about an hour and a half to finish each each mission which is uh incredibly long but it doesn't feel like that in the moment like when you're playing it it's very satisfying to get through it but then you realize oh man that took a lot a lot longer than I thought it would and I think it's it's all because you're doing this trial and error like the 
the shorter missions are basically when you're uh when you when you kind of it's kind of straightforward right whereas when it's this big open area with a bunch of enemies you're having to constantly think about what your next move is and and yeah and then at the end of the mission you get like this really cool fast forward mini map icon like there's a bunch of icons on the mini map and you see your progression and what you did and where you saved and reloaded and reloaded and reloaded and reloaded because you kept dying <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's really cool honestly it's one of those games that i've i've not played anything like it and it's just it's so satisfying to run through these uh these stealth missions and and really like the coolest part is when you chain together a bunch of attacks like if you're trying to take out multiple guys and you uh like I think the best one I've I've done was I I linked two guys together with uh, Isabel, which is the fifth character you get, and I used Cooper to throw a knife at the same time as I used Hector to use the sawed-off shotgun, and he he took out two guys, and then I took two two guys out with the with the throw knife all at the same time because if I hadn't done it at the same time, if I did the one, the the other guys would have looked over, seen the dead bodies, and raised the alarm, so I had to do it all at the same time and. And um, there was there is a mechanic that can assist with that, which is like um, showdown mode. So essentially, like you can hit the shift button or one a button on the keyboard, and it'll it'll slow <laughs> things down. I think it's shift. I, I think it is shift. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> it doesn't because uh, you, you slow things down. You can queue up all the you can queue up a move for each character. So in that instance, you can say like, I want all four of my characters to do these specific this specific move on this specific character at the same time. Because if I don't, um, the the characters they're taking out will see each other and, or whatnot. And it's really satisfying to just queue up all those moves and, and hit enter and just watch it either all work or all fall apart miraculously. <laughs> like I said, trial and error, that is basically the game, essentially. But it's a lot of fun. Sounds very cool. So again, that's Desperados 3 and you could pick it up on Steam or was this a Game Pass or an Epic thing? This is on Steam. Uh, so you can get it on Steam and it's also on consoles. I did, uh, I did, I would highly recommend if you have the ability to play it on PC, play it on PC because it is very much a, there's a lot of, a lot of controls, a lot of options. I did try it with a controller today just to kind of see what it played like and it works um but it's just it's not as uh it's not in, it's not as intuitive it's much easier with the keyboard and mouse because you are con- once you control multiple characters mm. it can be really cumbersome with the controller again they figured out a way to map it all and it works but i much prefer but it's not it. the it's not the best experience yeah no i mean like i said it works it's just uh, like it's just easier on on pc keyboard and mouse for sure all right, so wanted to take a moment now to thank our patrons. Thank you very much to our July patrons, Will and Parker. If you would like to support the show, then you can do so over at patreon.com slash thegamersin. That brings us to the news this week. We've kind of got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, so we had the Ubisoft Forward event, and we're not going to highlight absolutely everything that was talked about there, but Ryan, are there any kind of standouts in terms of game either reveals or we had some that were kind of like deep dives some stuff fleshed out um is there anything you're particularly stoked on yeah um you know the the announcement of far cry 6 it it looks interesting uh i i love that i love the actor that is uh you know gene gene carlo s 
Esposito, the the guy from Breaking, Breaking Bad, Bad, and yeah. uh, and, and so many Saul. more things lately. I yeah. I love that he's been included in a lot of places because I I really do think he's a great actor. So I'm excited for that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, he plays, I guess the um, the father of the like antagonist. Yeah, essentially. It's the father of the of the leader of a totalitarian state. <laughs> well, I, I get the sense that he's the leader and the, the kid is the kid is just there. And, and oh, he's and he preparing his kid for I leadership. Think so. the, oh, OK, it's, it's hard to do. But like, he's, this on, is, he's on the bad side. He's the bad guy. <laughs> he is. He is the bad guy. He plays a very he, uh, he he's a he plays a very good bad guy. I mean, that's that's. Yeah, he really, really done. does. Uh, yeah. and the thing that really stood out to me with Far Cry 6 is like, yes, it still has that wacky weirdness you see in like the pre-order bonuses, but from the trailer, I got the sense that this was a more, um, a more serious take because Far Cry 5 was very much the, you know, the cult, American cult type thing. And Far Cry 4 was the extravagant, um, sort of dictator in country unnamed type, type thing. Yeah. Uh, so not since yeah, even Far Cry 3 had a bit of an out there scenario. This feels a little more grounded and serious, uh, but but not so much more that I think we have to worry about it being like um, like not enjoyable, I guess. I don't know. It's hard to hard It's to also an urban setting, which I don't remember ever having before in a Far Cry game. Like it takes place basically just in this in this city that they've built, right? Mm hmm. Yeah, like that's the, a good point. The capital of the of the country, like it's not um, like we've had in the past, like a lot of jungle stuff, or like you said, the the one that was based in the states was like out in the wilds of like what was that like Minnesota or something. Um, so it was very much like still wilderness versus like this one. And I think there's been like desert isle stuff too, right? But this is basically like, hey, we're in the middle of a city and we've got this like guerrilla revolution that's going on which is the side of the game that you as the player take part in um so yeah like i I feel like this just tonally and like the setting of it too is a lot different which makes me very excited not to mention that this is one of the ubisoft toronto uh developed games which i think is the first time they've been involved in the far cry series but uh yeah i mean go toronto let's do this thing yeah it's (laughs) It's giving really, me some Canadian pride up here. Yeah, well, I mean, I know Ubisoft has always had a, a really strong presence in in Canada, and Toronto seems to be that studio that has um, had involvement with franchises, but not not really a like a huge not the hit head on their of hands. it. Yeah, yeah, I think they've they've done. I think they, I think they did a Splinter Cell game way back in the day, which was you know not really well received, but um, it's great to see them working on. On Far Cry, 6. I think they they did a lot of work on Watch Dogs Legion as well, and mm. um, that game looks uh, it looks interesting. I'm cautiously optimistic about Watch Dogs Legion. I think they're trying to present it'll be it'll be interesting to see if if what they're presenting with this very ambitious take on like being able to control any character NBC, you want, any any character, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is why like I'm I'm also really stoked on this one. This was my other kind of takeaway from this i mean other than assassin's creed because it's another assassin's creed and it's going to be awesome and whatever but um what i'm what i really was looking forward to was i mean we got a a release date of october 29th for Watch Dogs legion and i'm excited to play this because like you said it is it's very 
ambitious for them to create a game around the idea of being able to recruit any NPC and make them a playable character. Like that's a thing that they talked about years ago and everyone was kind of like, what? <laughs> like that can't actually work. And so I'm interested to see what that implementation actually is and how it works when you're in the real or like when you're in the game, when you're in the real world. Oh my God. My lines are blurring, you guys, between <laughs> games and reality. I've officially lost it. <laughs> We're all living in a simulation, whatever. Uh, so yeah, basically, I'm looking forward to seeing how it's actually implemented in the game and if they can deliver on all those promises. Because yeah, I think this is, it's a really cool concept. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to trying out Watch Dogs as well. Yeah. yeah. And that one comes out actually October 29th. So not too far from now. So Yeah, only a couple a months time. away. Yeah. And Spoiler alert, guys. It's halfway through July. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> yeah, and uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla got a November 17th release date. Um, both Assassin's Creed Valhalla and Watch Dogs Legion are compatible in the sense that you buy the PS4, Xbox One version, and you now have an Xbox Series X uh, or PS5 version. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's really good that they are committing to that, that upgrade path because I, I feel like that's... That's a that's a that's just a nice way to do it. I mean, that's just a smart uh, consumer friendly way to to go about those upgrades. And yeah, I'm I'm excited about that. That um, because these games take forever for me to play, so I could see myself buying it on PS4 or Xbox One, and then having not having finished it by the time I pick up a next gen <laughs> console. So yeah, yeah. Which which is actually um, something that they've talked a lot about on the Xbox side, and we've got an Xbox event coming up July twenty third. Um, we got a launch date for X Cloud, but a lot of the stuff that they're talking about, what they're going to be uh, focusing on at the event, are things like you say, um, the whole idea of you know one game one price, and you know being that you buy it on this gen, it means you're always going to have the most up-to-date version. And if you update your console, you'll still have access to that game. Like that's a really big selling feature. And again, something they're going to be talking about at the July 23rd event. So um, Ryan, have you actually tried out xCloud? Like, cause it, you were, or there was a, a beta earlier on in the year. Did you ever give it a chance? I did. I did try it on Android briefly, and um, it didn't. It didn't work very well for me. But mm -hmm. I think my my phone um, wasn't up to date, so uh, it could have been. Yeah, that. that'll do it. Yeah. So <laughs> Cause, I because I, I tried it. it. I played around a Dead by Daylight on it, and uh, it actually it worked halfway decently. It was a little bit laggy, but nothing that was like totally game breaking. It actually worked very similarly to my experience on my super old xbox console because i still have the launch version right so my uh my xbox one is not up, <laughs> up to date up to snuff the latest xbox or anything like that so a lot of the like latency and stuff that i was feeling in my skill checks on xcloud were very very similar to how it plays on my og doesn't run things very well xbox so <laughs> um i like i had a relatively positive experience but at the same time i'm kind of like uh, i don't really need this though <laughs> yeah i i i think that the idea of xcloud is and, and all these streaming services are are interesting i i personally use in-house streaming when i play 
um, games on the treadmill because I have my iPad and I set the iPad up on the treadmill and then I have a small little controller I play with and then I stream from either Steam Link, so over from my PC uh, from Steam over to the downstairs, or I, I remote into the, the PlayStation 4 and it works well enough in a pinch so I don't have to drag like a TV over to the treadmill and a console from the living room or the PC from the living room downstairs and, and I think everybody is going to have some scenario that that fits where they're like I could see myself using xCloud but I don't think there's I don't think anyone's going to use that to replace um playing their games I think they just have to find that that sort of piece of the puzzle and that's where xCloud being a part no extra cost is part of Game Pass Ultimate it's like I'm going to buy Game Pass Ultimate because I'm and, and this is like not me but just a random person so they could buy like they buy xbox live gold they like game pass well they might as well get ultimate they get that all bundled and then they have the the service of xcloud and it's all there for them to to use whenever they need to and because it's a, a package deal they're not necessarily concerned about you know having to use xcloud all the time because they're using game pass and and xbox live gold now we don't know what the cost of xcloud is going to be um on its own but uh, having it as part of this ultimate is that basically now you have you have the ability to play the games online. You have a bunch of games you can play, and then now you can stream them to anything. So really, you could just it's subscribe giving more to, value. Yeah, to the, to the ultimate, which is nice. Yeah, you could just subscribe to ultimate. You don't even need an Xbox. You can just play Xbox games stream to a laptop, you know, or an, or in this case, an iPad. So yeah. it's it's a. It's a neat future, and you would not see this coming from a major major platform holder. Like it's wild, and I think the only the only people who would do it is Microsoft, really. But I guess Sony is also heading down that path too. But mm -hmm. it's a wild, wild west, that's for sure. Absolutely, and you might want to get a subscription service and take advantage of some of those, you know, day one offerings from Xbox. Once you hear about the cost of next-gen titles, because apparently 2K has set their next-gen retail price of NBA uh, 2K21 at $69.99 American, which means for us, we're going to be paying like 80 bucks. I'm well, guessing. No, 90. 90. 90, 90 yeah. yeah. We already paid 80. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think I literally just bought Paper Mario. Like I should know this. <laughs> yes, you literally, you just well, yeah, you just spent the spent the yeah, money. Yeah. I think um, I'm hoping this is just a a like this is the wildest thing for me, and I don't want to necessarily disparage sports games, but um, that's usually something someone says before they disparage something. But right. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to say. You're going to say it's the same game every year with different names on the jerseys. Why are you paying $70? To which I'm sure people say, well, what's the difference between a Viking with a sword or a Greek person with a sword? You're oh. paying. <laughs> First of all, uh, there's a huge difference. That was difference. an Assassin's Creed reference. Okay. <laughs> yes. No, I, I, uh, I, but you know, just along that note, not to tear apart your, uh, your comparison, but. I don't think they rebuild the basketball courts every year. <laughs> you know, oh, this basketball court's got more mountains or something. It's like, no, it's the same one unless they built a new arena, which, you know, good for them. Um, no, I, I, th I think in the case of NBA 2K21 costing an extra $10, I, 
I don't see where the value is there. Like in a sports, when they build a sports well, game. Well, it's in the sweat, Ryan. Did you not <laughs> see the sweat? That costs money. <laughs> I know. To motion capture each individual bead as it drips down your... Anyways, um, I How just... would they even do that? Would they fill you with Gatorade to the point that you, like, your sweat um, turns a color they can track? Like... Nanobots, probably. Yeah, nanobots? <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. I'm sorry. I took us down a really weird path with that. <laughs> um, sweat tech, man. I mean, just, yep. just develop it once and put it over to all the... I think this is a test. Like, this is a test by 2K. And, and again, like, I don't think it's hard to say like knowing you're going to increase like knowing the backlash you're going to get by increasing the cost maybe this is the game you do it with like you do it with you do it with a sports game because if you do it with a highly anticipated title like could you imagine if um blizzard uh, blizzard says like oh uh diablo 4 is going to cost you um 70 us at launch um that would you could probably say, well, there's a lot of value there. So, and they put a lot of effort in and, and games have, you know, cost a lot of money. So that makes sense. But then you also have the other folks who are like, no, I'm not buying it. And and rightfully so, because sometimes it's hard to scrape together, you know, $60 plus tax. If they just keep increasing the cost, it's only going to get more and more difficult. So there's that point that everybody has where they're like, I'm going to wait for it to go on sale. And early adopters of a sports game, yeah, pay the $70, but the game's going to go on sale like two months later you know, especially a sports game. Sports games don't hold their value very long. Um, they, they're like cars. The second you drive them off the lot, like you, I don't know, they lose their value (laughs) quite a bit. Man, you are ripping, ripping. I'm not trying to, I'm just, I I think I'm just, I, I like, this is true. Like I, I've, I've, um, gone into an EB and I think I did this with the, with the PlayStation. When I bought the PlayStation 4 pro, I got the NHL 20 bundle, the game was maybe four months old at the time. I traded it in f- from the box. Like the guy took it out of the box, brand new, shrink wrapped, and I didn't get full value for it. I got a portion. And that just goes to show like the value of, of a game the second it walks out the door. So I think it's a good test for 2K to like increase the price by $10 on, on this specific type of game. But I don't think it's going to go well. Like consumers... W- aren't happy about spending more money right especially in in these times when money is is harder to come by right like a lot of people are have been personally affected by by the global pandemic and i mean are you gonna want to scrape together even more money to play to play games this holiday season i i I don't know how this goes but um it's an interesting test i hope it doesn't go well (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I feel like um, it's just kind of inevitable that the price of games will go up. And personally, I'm okay with it as long as it comes with um, removing systems like loot boxes and all the rest of like battle passes and whatever. Like, make me pay more for my base game, sure, as long as you remove all of your little microtransaction-y things. Not saying that NBA does or doesn't have microtransactions. I literally do not know, but... This one's bad um, for that. Oh, okay. Like <laughs> I was reading like NBA 2K21, one of the worst offenders for, for microtransactions. So really, they're not getting rid buy, of them. Do you buy like different color sneakers? Like what? I, I, I say that as someone who would totally buy like a different color 
breastplate for my paladin in Warcraft if that that was an option. So I mean, I'm I'm not pulling Orion. I'm not trying to like <laughs> downplay people's love of these sports games. If Wait, am I doing jam, that? I'm not awesome. trying to do that. But um, yeah, like I don't know. I I didn't even realize that a sports game would be something that you would microtransact. But I guess you can change like the ball or the oh there maybe they, the ads or the like no, nets uh, i don't even know like sports games <laughs> are 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 the some of the worst offenders like ea's like number one money maker on on the budget line is fifa and it's all it's all fantasy teams like it's all card packs that you buy to try to get that that you know golden player to add to your team wow that's that's my very limited understanding of it and i and i i imagine that's how it works kind of across the board like they make a lot of money from those microtransactions and i really think this is well then i'm even less i'm even less behind the the price increase then because i mean i'm i'm totally down with paying more i mean it's it's kind of the mobile philosophy right Mm -hmm. like i don't love free-to-play mobile games i would rather pay five or ten bucks for something that i just then have access to and can play at my leisure like i don't want to be constantly running out of energy or keeping track of 18 currencies because they're literally trying to confuse me um so yeah i mean i'm less on board with this then because i was thinking that they were you know moving to more of a higher price model versus a microtransactions model but yeah Mm -hmm. screw that no i I think this is uh this is a test personally i think it's it's the easier test to run it with with um with nba 2k21 but really i agree with you like i think games will need to increase in price because budgets are increasing and gamers are more like vocal gamers are more and more asking for larger and larger games. Uh, whereas personally I'm asking for the opposite, like give me a great story, great gameplay and in a decent length, but I don't need a 200 hour game um, to, to satisfy that, that $80 price tag. So there something's got to give and i think in this instance i would have rather seen a test done with a, like a larger game like say hey this is uh the next bioshock um which they are making and it's by 2k like the next bioshock is going to be the 69.99 us dollar price tag because of x y and z and i think that's a more interesting and lasting test as opposed mm. to this i think this is going to fall you know I think it's going to fall on his face and and it's probably not going to work the way a lot of developers or a lot of publishers are, are hoping it'll work because like you said game prices will need to go up at some point um or we'll just need to get we'll need to get used to what is the new normal of like a like a, a more manageable a smaller scope. experience yeah, yeah exactly exactly um Finally tonight, we've got some some fun news. A couple of little little quick pieces. Uh, Amazon has licensed the rights to Fallout, and they're going to make a TV show. Mm. That's exciting. I mean, if if The Witcher has shown us anything, it's that um, video games can make really really good TV shows. So I'm down. Yeah. Especially if like, and I don't know if they've actually talked about it more so than just saying it's in development, but I mean, uh, the Fallout series is something that everybody always raves about, but I've never really gotten into. So much like The Witcher, I'm down for uh, for a Fallout TV show if it's going to get me super interested in the franchise. Yeah, no, I think this is great. And then the producers behind it are Jonathan Nolan and, and Lisa Joy's uh, Kilter Films. So the, the folks behind Westworld. Um, so it's a good fit. 
Is it? I have not watched uh, more than season one uh, of Westworld. Yeah, no, I'm I'm now I'm all caught up on <laughs> Westworld, and uh, yeah, the first season was very good. Okay, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, that's not what I'll say. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe uh, maybe they got it all out of their system. Yeah, maybe <laughs> out of their system. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, I I think that uh, they'll at least give it their best shot. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Which maybe is a really horrible, terrible thing to say. But no, uh, anyways, yeah. So Fallout TV show coming from Amazon Studios. Uh, go check it out. I don't think we have any kind of release date, but I mean, no. given the current state of the world, we're probably looking at 2022 at this point. Um, also, uh, we got something that was like leaked and teased all over the place last week was actually finally revealed the Lego Nintendo Entertainment System. Now, you might be thinking, but Joss, you guys talked about Lego Mario like forever ago. And this isn't Lego Mario. This is an actual like it. it's compatible with Lego Mario, but it's a like old um, C- CRT television. Mm-hmm. Is that the That's right correct. thing? <laughs> OK. Yeah, I was trying to like and, I was uh, trying to remember what like, what it was. But yeah, it's uh yeah, like an old school CRT with the aerial. Yeah, with like the and... knobs on the side and the aerial. Yeah, and oh, then uh, the, the NES itself with a controller and a cartridge. And you can actually see like the Mario level and it scrolls. Like this is a really crazy Nintendo Lego set. It's also super ex- expensive. It's $230 in the States, $300 in Canada. And it's so it's it's a super, super expensive, but it's a really cool idea. And so you can actually take the Mario from the uh, the Mario set that we talked about. Um, it was a couple of months ago now, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they unveiled uh, it oh, quite a while ago. Yeah. And you kind of like plug that into the top of the TV and then you can actually like get interactive features and like sound and stuff. <laughs> like it's insane. <laughs> I wish we hadn't talked about it because I'd kind of gotten to the point where I, I was like, I got it out of my system. It looks cool, but I'm not going to buy it. It's too expensive. And then now I'm looking at it all again and I'm like, oh my God. Like I wish, then I was like, oh, I wish I could just buy the NES. But now I'm looking at the CRT and the CRT looks just as cool. Have you, uh, so question, are Mm -hmm. you going to purchase the Mario set that we talked about to like build your own Mario levels and stuff? No, because, and and here's the thing that I talked myself out of that one. Super Mario Adventures or whatever. Yeah. I talked myself out of that one because the kids just aren't old enough. Right. And I feel like it's not, it's not the type of Lego set you just set up and put on a shelf. Again, I feel like if I could just purchase the Mario the digital Mario, but I don't know. I'm, I just, I, I talked myself out of it because it feels like if I can't play with it with the kids, it's not really something I, I need to have. Um, but then, and then I would say, oh, I wish they had something more for, you know, um, you know, the, the put on the shelf type Lego folks. And now they have this, which is totally that outside of the crank thing. Um, I can't, I just can't justify $300. I know a lot of people are saying like, it's a good price for a Lego set. And I believe them for sure. Cause Lego's expensive. So the price I'm, I'm surprised it's so low to be honest, but 300 is still, 
is still up there, but man, three hundred is... is pretty crazy for something that's not like an actual video game, like console. You yeah. know, like. <laughs> but it's Lego. Like this is what Lego. Like I, and I know, and I... but I mean, maybe the conversation is that Lego is too heckin' expensive. Not that this is a decent price for a Lego set. Like. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> I mean, talking about how all Lego is too expensive. Oh, all Lego <laughs> is too expensive, and and I mean personally. I was even, I was saying, like, Ashley is also a Lego person. I, I showed her this. And I'm like, oh, this isn't this cool? And, and she was, she's honestly like, yeah, it looks great. But again, like, it, it, I get, she agreed with me. It's $300 is just a little bit too high. Like, I could see anything under 200 I could totally justify. But I know this set wasn't going to cost under 200 But then I thought, but what if they had, like, Hyrule Castle? And you know that thing's going to be 300 plus. Like, would you buy it then? Or is it just it's the it comes it doesn't matter what it was it, it's just too expensive <laughs> i don't know i don't know what my what my limit is on this but i i, I think if they had a full zelda set with a castle and like mm-hmm. all the characters and stuff i that's something i would probably invest in like this to me this is like cool and nostalgic and whatever but i don't know it's just it's it's just a little bit too much i think i would maybe potentially be thinking about this if i also had purchased the um super mario adventure thing that we talked about a Mm -hmm. little while ago because then it's like you have those like added features i guess with something that you'd already purchased like if i was already on board with the lego mario thing then i think i'm going in on this but you know like i didn't purchase that so yeah, I think for me, from like as everyone knows, I collect amiibo, um, and there was a bit of an a bit of an uh, an uptick in in Discord as they finally announced more amiibos you could buy. Um, I when it comes to a Lego set, I would be happy with sort of a small diorama for each of the major franchises. Like, give me give me the minifig, the Mario and the Peach, you know, minifig with maybe uh, like a small background, you know. I don't need Peach's Castle. I don't need Hyrule Castle. I just want the small, like the minifigs is what I want it for. But again, they tie those minifigs to different sets and, you know, of different values. So sometimes to get all the minifigs you want, you got to buy like three or four sets. So Mm. I'm, I'm, I just, I want more from Lego and and Nintendo, but I'm worried what that, what that more is going to be. And I know it's going to be expensive, but I would prefer like, Something smaller, like uh, that, I can just have and and put on my shelf as a cool like they did a Lego Nintendo thing. I still want something from that collaboration, but it still hasn't uh, it still hasn't clicked for me yet. And I'm hoping they give us a more traditional, a more traditional sets. I don't know. Like I get it. It's Nintendo. They like to do things differently, and this thing will probably sell out. And the Mario, the other Mario stuff will sell out. But I I still want something a little more. Uh, traditional, which is something yeah. that I, I asked for when when the Mario stuff was in, was announced. So hopefully we get yeah, that. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you because, like I said, I would definitely buy like a traditional like fantasy Lego castle with Zelda <laughs> branding on it. Like I'm down. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that'd be yeah. cool. So yeah, well we'll have to see because, uh, like you said, I also expect that these will probably sell out, and so that will show that the partnership is a success. So you know. Thank you, whales of the internet, for spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on Mario Nintendo Lego things and making it so that maybe one day our dreams of Zelda Lego will come true. Uh, But that's going to do it for us this week. 
Thank you, all of you, for listening. You can join the conversation on our Discord at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays. Ryan is at R. Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.